Since everyone has a gender journey, Gender Journeys is a podcast for everyone. That being said, we occasionally touch on mature themes and use strong language, so listener discretion is advised. Relevant content warnings can be found in each episode's description. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Gender Journeys, the podcast where we talk about just what the heck gender actually is in context. As always, I am one of your hosts, Josie, and I'm joined by your other host, my lovely partner, Elle. Hey, y'all. All right, so what are we talking about on the podcast this week? My top surgery. No, we're just, just kidding, just kidding. I mean, a little bit. A little bit. A little bit. It's not a dedicated top surgery episode. We'll get back to those. We'll get back to those. <laughs> They're coming. Um, no, this week on the podcast, we we're talking about T for T relationships. All right. And T for T, if, if, you, if you look at the title and you're like, what the fuck is this? But you still listened. Hey, thanks. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me get you a definition real quick. T for T is trans for trans. Mm-hmm. And I think it has roots in like some sketchy like Craigslist ad type things. That's what I've heard at least. That, that does not surprise me. Yeah, but it's come a long way from there. And now it's like, it, would it be considered an orientation? Uh, a relationship requirement? It's a relationship requirement, I think, is probably more accurate for a lot of people. Also just a relationship descriptor? Yeah. A relationship pre- preference? It could be a lot of things. It's a lot of different things. The, 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 basic, exa- the basic idea of T4T is... Some trans people strongly prefer to date and or have sex with people who are also trans Mm -hmm. because... Of things we're going to discuss in this episode. Of things we're going to discuss in this episode. I would like to point out that I also, and this might just be because I don't necessarily understand the word very well, I also describe relationships as T for T. Like if both parties are trans, like I would describe our relationship as T for T, even though both of us are open to dating cis people. I think that that is accurate. I think that 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 is an accurate statement. I don't think that is necessarily individual. And that's why I think that calling it an orientation isn't quite correct. Quite it, yeah. Because I also have a T for T like preference. It's like in my Tinder profile, but again, I'll swipe right on cis people sometimes sometimes it's increasingly rare but i mean we'll talk about that though because that's where we talk about my top surgery that's, yeah so so where would you like to kind of start with this then because well we can start so this is why i've been thinking about it more recently mm-hmm. we're probably going to do a dedicated orientation episode because i've been thinking a lot about that like a lot about that but as y'all know i got top surgery as of recording this i'm like three weeks and a couple of days post-op yeah I also, if you've been listening for a while or you've listened to my other top surgery episodes, I got uh, like not perfectly flat, although like it doesn't look like breasts, chest with no nipples, notably no nipples. Mm-hmm. And I have like the scars, I got double incision. So it's like, if you don't know a ton about top surgery and you think of what you think top surgery scars look like, that's probably double incision. That's yeah. what my scars look like. Yeah. And since I've done that, I have been like immediately like, oh God. I would be so uncomfortable. Like what like I literally just don't think I know what dating looks like in the way that I used to without tits. Much less with like a visibly trans body. Right. In that like my body doesn't look like a cis man's either. Mm-hmm. So like 
I don't have nipples. Like, I don't want to take my shirt off in front of somebody <laughs> who's not on board. Who's not on board, who doesn't understand. And, like, this is, so, like, this episode is kind of, like, a follow-up to our previous episode. Right. Because, like, this has a lot of the same energy. I'm, like, I need to know that you're, like, not that you've, like, hung out with other nippleless people before, but that you've done some work to think about detaching gender from, like, physical appearance, and that you've also done some work to, like, mentally appreciating trans bodies because we're all socialized with that internalized transphobia and if you haven't worked through that shit yet like i really don't i don't feel safe in the body i'm in around you and i think i similarly have faced that Mm -hmm. it's one of the reasons that like you you mentioned having like a preference for t for t and i think that i would agree with that just in that like i don't really want to have to explain that i've got a penis and And that it works and and that that you enjoy it (laughs) And or I don't really want to tell like, well, for one thing, chasers, I just not not into chasers, Mm -hmm. but I don't want to tell a really well-meaning dude like I do. I am non-op and him be like, totally, I get it. And then like, and then not get it. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I could just so imagine. Right. Like I told you that I was non-op and you said you got it. You didn't get it. (laughs) You could have listened to my podcast episode, What is Not Up? Right. (laughs) And so, like... And even, like, even, like, it's really funny to laugh at that and be like, haha, he thought you had a vagina and you definitely don't. But I think that a more, like, nuanced, like, if somebody knows what non-op is, they might be like, okay, so you don't feel dysphoria around your penis, but maybe they still assume that you don't want to, like, interact with your penis in sexy times, which is not true. Yeah. (laughs) And so, like, they still might, like, make assumptions about, like, you and your body. Yeah. That are inaccurate but also like potentially hurtful and also potentially unsafe right and i will also i was gonna say on the potentially unsafe side of things that is funny in like a Mm kind of jokey haha that's never happened to me personally and like there are situations where like that could potentially be like a comical misunderstanding right but often it is not a comical misunderstanding for trans women it can prove very dangerous for their physical safety right if somebody finds a penis they weren't expecting right and, like, in a trans women are murdered for that sense, as well as in a, like, that can just be emotionally unhappy for everybody involved, even if the person who finds the surprise penis is not violent about it, but even if they're just, like, surprised, which will probably look very similar to disgusted, that's going to be a very, that's going to be a very emotionally right. unsafe situation regardless. Right. Even if they're just like, I'm going to leave, which would be the best case scenario. <laughs> but if I just did a trans person. Right. They at least have some idea. Right. right. And they, and I think that also, again, because they've done, I assume generally there's more reason for them to have done work around like asking questions around genitals, asking questions around, like, what does non-op mean to you? Like, they they would know how to ask these questions. They mm-hmm. would know when is an appropriate time to ask them, which is not the first tender message, but it's also probably not as they're taking your pants off. There's probably an in-between. It's probably an in-between. That I, people are better and worse at finding. My, not to completely <laughs> dominate this particular podcast, no, because I think that you also have some really interesting ideas. I've only this. been, I've only had a visibly trans body for three weeks. That's fair. And I think notably my experience comes a lot from the fact that like, I used to have sex in a way that I simply can't anymore. Very casually, very, uh, with cis men. <laughs> right, right. And so... I have in my Tinder bio, you know, I am non-op, Google it, and then if you're still confused, you can ask. And I've had so many people, like, ask as their first message, and then me be like, like, here it is. And then them just fundamentally understand what I'm saying. Right. And then, like, have to explain it. And then it's like, we're not going to get dinner. Like, you know, like, I'm not going to go out with you now. Right. 
this has been emo- this has been like emotional labor for me to explain to you my identity. Whereas like I, as a person who am gender expansive, just like for comparison, I as a mm-hmm. person who is gender expansive, and specifically right now, also just as a slight aside, Josie and I have an openly monogamous relationship. That's why that's why we're oh, talking yeah, about all that. We've talked about that before on the podcast. Oh, have we? Okay, good. But Anyways. that is that is good context. Elle and I are yeah yeah. Ethically non-monogamous. Um, indeed. But, like, so I, as a person who, especially right now, especially post my top surgery when I'm having all these realizations, am pretty exclusively, 100% exclusively talking to trans people on Tinder. And I'm like, okay, so, like, I definitely am a sleep with people on a first date type of person. So if that was, like, my goal, if that's my goal, if that was my goal, I would, like, be talking to the person, set up time, and then be like, hey... I'm interested in sleeping with you tonight, so I would like to ask real quick what the situation is for you with sleeping with people. And by that, I mean, do you, or is that an option for you, or are you not a sleep with person on the first date type of person? Right. Also fine. Also, that's a great time for you to bring up your genital preferences around your genitalia, my genitalia. Maybe we should clear up any miscommunications about what either of us have. Right. <laughs> like... And I think that's an example of, like, that's a very different energy. Like, I am starting with why I'm asking you. I'm saying, hey, I'm asking you this because I have plans of using this information, like, in the very near future. Right. Which is, like, that doesn't actually mean that you have to, like, go on, like, X number of dates. You just have to be upfront about that, which I've never had a cis person successfully do. Yeah, that's very true. And, like, I, there is just, like, there's a certain amount of trust to that. Like, if you're talking to another genderqueer person and it's just, like, hey, I just, like, it's it's all about consent. It's right. very much just about, like, I just want everybody in the room here to know everything up front. Like, and because also, even other trans people don't want a surprise penis. Nobody wants a surprise penis. Or a surprise vagina. People don't like surprise genitalia. Shocking. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, it would be less unsafe if it was another gender expansive person, perhaps. But, like... Still. It would still potentially be awkward. It would. St- what if that gender expensive person has a general preference and now they're like trying to be like, "Hey, it's totally fine. I just didn't realize." Right, and like <laughs> that just sounds the, terrible. But the the beauty of T for T, what is really nice about that as a relationship marker, as a pseudo orientation, is that it's just like trans people get it. Mm. Like that's how I've seen it described a lot. Is like people are like, "Why are you T for T to random people I follow on Tumblr?" And they just respond like. Because trans people get it. Like, they get it. I think that's why we want to do this episode immediately after our last episode. Mm -hmm. Because there is. There's just a difference. And we want to be really, really clear also at this point. I want to bring this up. This is not to say that, like, cis people can't ever get it. Cis people can get it. 100%. Cis people can also... I think we talked about this earlier in one of our previous episodes. But, like, cis people can explore their own gender and, like, kind of determine that they're cis which is an incredibly different type of cis person than like a cis person who just doesn't realize they have a gender right so like this is not to say that like cis people will never have the depth of understanding of a trans person that another trans person can no 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 no. it's just that like it might be a little bit faster it might be a little bit easier for other trans people and there's there is a little bit more of like an an inherent trust and i think part of it too is it's it's relatively easy to spot when a trans person is not going to vibe with you because they don't really front about it they don't yeah and i think that's part of like also having like every trans person inherently has their own relationship with safety in dating and sex right because that's part of being trans (laughs) like they inherently they've thought about 
what it means for them to be safe. And part of thinking about what it means for them to be safe, they're not just out here like fucking around. Yeah. They have they have like a specific desire. Now their desire might be to just fuck around, but they know what they want in a way that like people cis people are able to just like go on Tinder and be like, I don't know, we'll see what happens. And I'm like, no. Right. Like I mean it it comes down to like what happens when somebody sees my body. Yeah. Like what does that look like for me? How mm-hmm. do I interact with that? How do they interact with me? Like there is just a lot that goes into those considerations that cis people just don't always think of. And like, some cis people also do, like, I mean, this is this is intersectional. This is lots of oppressed identities. I'm sure there is a um, similar conversation to be had about fat phobia. There's certainly a similar conversation to be had about race. There is it's probably a more dramatic version of this conversation to be had around disability. Right. Um. So, like... This is not unique to the trans experience, but, like, it is It is an interesting right. piece. Because I think that with the way that it is very similar to all of those ones that you just noted is that, like, that idea of, like, trans people get it. Like, yeah. uh, when you go to, like, like when you and I go to a party and there's mm-hmm. a bunch of genderqueer people there and we say something like, fuck gender, people around us are like, oh, yeah, gender's the worst. And mm-hmm. then, like, you can kind of get the sense of, like, you know, I say fuck gender, but I am a woman for the most part. And I actually feel a very strong connection with the idea of a gender and, right. like, a certain societal gender that has, like, been constructed. And I don't necessarily think we need to uphold the whole system and that gender shouldn't be abolished. But also, like, I take a lot of comfort from the idea of gender. Yeah. So, like, that nuance is not something that I can really explain to a cis person. But, like, also when I say gender is the fucking worst or abolish gender to a genderqueer person, they understand there is, like, that there are layers to that statement exactly. from everybody. Mm-hmm. like. Mm-hmm. And they also understand, I think, that also when you say you're a woman, it's very different than when a cis person says they're a woman or somebody who's non-binary says they're a woman, like fully non-binary says they're a woman. When another genderqueer person says something about gender, my assumption is that there's more information underneath it. Right. And that's just what I'm hearing at this point. Right. And, and like, like, maybe you can find out more, but... Mm-hmm. But like, you're also not entitled to it. Right. And so, I mean... I also, I feel like it's important context at this point, just in terms of our relationship. We didn't start T for T. First off, I wasn't trans. <laughs> Second off, when we start, when we went on our first date, Josie wasn't out. So we certainly didn't start no, T for T. we did not start off T for T. We lucked into this shit. Yeah, we just lucked. And like, definitely influenced each other as well. Right. And I mean, like, I know that, <laughs> I think it's really funny. Elle was like, mildly losing interest in me as a romantic partner this is true (laughs) and then i was like and then we're gonna go on a date and i was like hey just so you know i am gonna come in like makeup and a dress it was our second date it was our second date Mm -hmm. um because i have just recently come out as trans and you were like interesting fascinating what does and i i just like i think that there is a version of that story that it feels like kind of chasery but i think that the more authentic version of it is that you had your own like little kernel of gender queerness inside of you and you had not like really interacted with another gender queer person on like a personal level in a while and, well like, i think also consciously at that time it was just because i have a lot of trauma about men and i was perceiving you as a man who was pursuing me for which I have a lot of trauma. Men pursuing me is an inherently unsafe situation for me unless I am actively controlling the situation through, like, sex. Right. And I wasn't doing that yet with you. And so, like, you pursuing me was, like, <sighs> so Scary. much trauma. Right. So, like, when you came out of the woman, I was like, oh, lit okay that does that does not scare anymore right. and that was the conscious experience i think what you're describing is much more the like 
perhaps genuine experience. And also, this is we should talk about that during the orientation episode that we're going to record eventually because y'all, I think everybody that I've ever been attracted to has only I've only been attracted to them when they've been showing gender queerness. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, I think that's fair. We'll come back to that. that. We'll come back to that. We'll come back to that. So we did kind of, well, okay, so we lucked into this T for T thing. Uh Um, I knew of T for T before we started dating. I also didn't know about T for T until like literally maybe six months ago. Oh, wow, really? I mean, it's it's been a Tumblr thing forever. Yeah, I really, you, I think you said it like in conversation and I was like, what the fuck are you saying? And Mm -hmm. then you told me what it was and I put it in my Tinder bio. (laughs) I was like, hell yes, that. Yes. And so we, as we just said, I'm going to say that we lucked into this like a fifth time because I, I mean, I think it was we really did. lucky. It was mm-hmm. very lucky that we ended up in a partnership that we can like discuss gender on such a deep level and be so comfortable with each other's genders. Mm-hmm. And I guess that kind of is a spoiler for my next question, which is what are the advantages of being in a T for T relationship to you? I think that a lot of it is upfront. Mm-hmm. I don't, because again, like I really don't. I think sometimes T for T can be a little bit, just like all communities, self-congratulatory where they think they're better than not Mm -hmm. T for T. Okay. Which I don't think is true. I think that, you know, five years into a relationship, I mean, as long as that relationship isn't toxic, like you and your partner are going to know each other beautifully and like you're going to have a beautiful relationship regardless of your individual gender identities. Right. And I think that T for T allows people to get there a little bit faster. (laughs) And for some people, allows them to get there at all. Because, like, imagine if somebody has had an experience where, like, like we were describing with, like, a surprise penis where they were somebody, obviously not violent, let's not even manifest that. But, like, imagine somebody had an experience with a cis person where that cis person didn't expect them to have a penis and then they did have a penis and then they were, like, everybody was really kind of awkward and, and maybe a little bit weirded out by the situation. Yeah. That's gonna, that's traumatic, first off, and that's gonna make it really fucking hard, if not impossible, for you to date cis, cis people of that gender again. Right. And that's yeah. okay. That makes it tough. And so then you will start only dating trans people because those are the people that it's, 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 it's feasible for you to feel connected to. Or you're right. gonna go to therapy and you're gonna figure it out. But like, right. I, I think that that's, that's the biggest advantage to me. And also T for T in terms of casual relationships also has a similar advantage. If, if you're not even looking to get to know somebody on like a romantic or like personal level, you need to be able to feel comfortable with them and with your body and their body together <laughs> very together. quickly. <laughs> that's a good point. And so I, I think that's actually a very good... I think it's more of a lowering of barriers. I think that's how yeah. I'll describe it. Because like you said earlier in the episode, we don't want to at all imply that cis partners cannot... Like, just there's something esoteric about trans people that their cis partner will never understand. No. Like, I think you're right. I mean, there's something esoteric about all partners. Like, you're never going to want a thousand. But, like, I just want to be so clear that, like, eventually a cis and trans partner can be just as tight. It's just, it might take a couple extra steps. It might take a couple extra steps, but, like, with real, open, honest communication and, like... Therapy. Therapy <laughs> and, like, just an open mind. A, a cis partner can very easily be, like... I mean, a cis partner can have their trans partner come out and then the cis partner can examine their cis identity determine that they are a cis but then now come out the other end of it one of those cool cis people who've examined their cis identity yes who actually like identifies as cis phenomenal and like and then once you get to that point where you have both interrogated your gender and come feel out the comfortable other side, talking about it because also that's com- the thing yep. like 
a lot of cis people don't feel comfortable talking about gender or don't have the vocabulary to talk about gender or just like some people still connect gender and sex inherently. So they feel like it's like taboo to talk about. That's really hard to deal with as a trans person. That's really hard to deal with as a trans person. And like, not impossible, but hard, annoying. And like, you can get to a point where your cis partner has overcome that and like figured it out. But there's a barrier to entry there. Right. And like, you have a better, and a lot of, honestly, a lot of trans people still aren't there either, but you have a yeah. better shot at it in like. And if you're a T for T, both people have a vested interest in figuring it out. Right. Whereas like, in some relationships, the cis partner might need to be convinced or the cis partner might take some time. They might process some things of their own before they can even begin learning the language and like doing, doing the, the, the self-interrogation to figure out their own gender identity. Yeah. Which just, yeah, it just slows things down. I think that also, I think T for T opens up more opportunities for not being serious. Like I really, Mm -hmm. and maybe it's just because like my chest is very new and I, nobody, except for thousands of people on Reddit, but (laughs) nobody I know other than Josie has seen my chest at all. Nobody's seen it in person except for like your surgeon and and the... but I mean, nobody that I know, even even the picture, I haven't sent pictures of my chest to anybody. Yeah. And I think that that's actually, so that's... Wait, so uh, I, I had a point about that. So yeah. I haven't, nobody's seen my chest. So like, I like, at least right now, just cannot fathom doing a relationship outside of hours that's not T for T, because I don't tend to look for serious commitments outside of hours. Right. Um, and I just can't fathom being casual, going out for like drinks and then going home with somebody who isn't trans with my chest. I would feel so uncomfortable. Right. And I think that's so valid. And like, that's hard. Mm-hmm. Like that's having a visibly trans body is a challenge that not everybody recognizes. And mm-hmm. you really grappled with it before you got your top surgery. Right. Because I thought about keeping my nipples in order to just avoid it. Right. Which and I mean, like, I guess... Having a vagina and no tits is also visibly trans, but I have a visibly non-binary body might be the better. Like, I have a visibly unnatural, quote-unquote, body. Right. I mean, like, if you were to go up to even, like, a cis gay man and the cis gay man scanned you as a twink. Mm-hmm. And then, like... Michaels. <laughs> and, like, you you told them, you told him that you were, like, trans mask. He might be fully expecting, you know, top surgery and... I mean, I don't know, he might think of, like, a big clit or something. Right, bottom growth. But bottom like, growth. But he might, like, be taken aback by your lack of nipples. Right, because trans people are taken aback by my lack of nipples. Like, like again, it's just, like, it's slightly outside of the norm for everybody. But trans people are will be like, They'll be like, oh, my God, you don't have nipples. And then you'll be like, yeah, I didn't want them. Isn't it cool? I'm non-binary. We and call this... it freeding the nips. And then they are like, huh. I mean, I've seen so many, so many people on your comments be like, I just didn't know that was an option. And right. they're like, yes, it is. And they're like, that's so cool. And I also think that if I took my shirt off in front of a trans person and they were like, you don't have nipples, I would have a very different reaction to that mm. than if a cis person said that. That's valid. Because again, like, pre- our last episode, like, if a cis person looked at my chest, I was like, you don't have nipples, I would read it as disgust. You can even hear in how I said that differently yeah. than the first time. I would read it as disgust regardless like, disgust and shock are pretty similar yeah. emotions. So, like, regardless of how what they were experiencing, I would read their surprise as disgust. Whereas I would read a, especially, like, non-binary, especially, like, a genderqueer, genderfuck type person, which are mm-hmm. the people I'm most attracted to. I would read them if they said, you don't have nipples. I would be like, yeah, isn't it fucking lit? Like, yeah. 
And that's just about like my safety. Like that's or not right. about it is about my safety, but that's just about like my perception of the person I'm with. Of the person you're with, yeah. Because like it's it's never happened to me. I've never been recoiled from, but mm-hmm. I can only imagine that that would suck. Mm-hmm. And like I've been like virtually recoiled from, right? And because like I have never had the in person experience of surprise penis, but I have had the virtual experience of trying to talk to somebody on the internet. And they were too scared to ask me the question and like the question <laughs> until we were like basically making plans. And then either they don't ask it and I want to be, and then before we meet up, I'm like, hey, I just be really clear before we meet up. You understand my identity, right? <laughs> and then they're like, uh, explain it to me. And then I say, I have a penis. And they're like, oh, I don't, I'm not really, I don't really want to do that then. And like, sucks. It does it suck. Do- yeah. Like, and like, it just, it's easier if you have some, if you have somebody that, right at the beginning right at the gate you feel comfortable explaining like i don't know i when i'm around other genderqueer people i feel comfortable referencing my well i don't just reference my dick to strangers <laughs> she definitely does <laughs> you do not no she doesn't i just like making fun of you <laughs> but in theory if we were talking about sex right. i would talk about my dick like if we were in a situation or even if we were talking are... about like we were talking about bathrooms with our genderqueer friend because we were talking about the same brewery that we made the bathrooms episode about because they changed their sign and it's very upsetting mm-hmm. and i mean you referenced using urinals with that which i know you can use stand-up devices but that's not how you were referencing them right i mean if a trans woman says that she that she can use a urinal you can make some you can make a guess. i probably didn't buy a stand to pee after my bottom surgery right that'd be a power which, move i mean you well, well, but if you've done that reach out it's <laughs> hot as fuck <laughs> Yeah, but I think that that's, I think that T for T does sometimes get lauded as like this, like it's a deeper, better relationship, but I don't think that's it. It's just easier in the beginning. Because the other thing is like, you could 100%, if there was a cis person who was like, you know, your soulmate or whatever, you didn't know that, but like, they were like, I don't know how I feel about you having a penis, kind of weirds me out. And maybe it's a cis man that doesn't consider themselves gay. And he's just like, I have never interacted with a penis. Kind of weirds me out to interact with a penis. Maybe I have some internalized guilt and homophobia about that but i really like you can we go on a date and kind of figure it out you could figure it out right it would take some time it would take non-sexual interaction around your body that's like and it could be bumpy and it could be bumpy but if y'all were like really tight and like maybe like you'd have to form kind of like an intimate um emotional connection first because it would involve like probably you being like this is what i look like how are you feeling? This is what I enjoy. How are you feeling? Like it would, it would require a lot of like figuring things out. Whereas like that, you get to just skip that right. <laughs> if it's T for T, which like, you know, like going through that process together in creates a bond that doesn't exist otherwise. Right. That's a huge vulnerable process. It probably is not fun in the moment ever, but it can create really deep bonds. Right. Yeah. So like, I just, I really don't want, and to, and to your point that, like, eventually a cis, like, eventually a mm-hmm. cis partner and a trans partner can, like, get to that deep emotional bond. Right. It's just, it just, it's not that T for T is inherently a deep emotional bond. It's just, you really can get there quicker. Yeah. And, but I mean, frankly, sometimes you can't. Some people, that's not available I to. I mean, it, it, it feels akin to me as, like, if you love somebody who's just absolutely, like, doesn't keep their house neat and you're, like, a neat freak, that's going to be a, that's going to be a battle for you right Mm -hmm. but you can get through it you can figure it out people can change people can learn to adapt to one another beautiful right it's like a similar like barrier like that it just removes a single barrier right which like people have barriers to relationships all the time again like i said like 
I end up I'm spending my life with you now. But like there would have been a lot of barriers to me um, settling down with a cis man. Right. Like because I have a lot of trauma around cis men. Right. And I am not the only AFAB person for whom that's true. Yep. Statistically, most have a lot of trauma around yeah. AFAB, uh, around AMAB men. So like it, it's not unique to trans people. And again, I want to recenter on the intersectionality of this. This is very much true for other marginalized communities. Right. Like, very, very much true. Because the barrier to entry isn't there. You don't have to... I, I can't actually speak to it because I'm not a member of, like, any of those communities. Mm-hmm. But I feel like if you are a person with a mobility issue mm-hmm. and you date somebody else in the disabled community or who also maybe has a mobility issue and then you get to the sexy times, yeah. probably the person who has interacted with that community will be aware of the barriers to access. They'll be aware of what you might need. And again, similar to like how I'm like, I just know, I think that I'm better at making a trans person comfortable when I'm asking about genitals and stuff because I know when and how to ask. Mm-hmm. You probably also know when and how to ask right. mobility questions right. and things like that, which I do think that these have some overlap. Like I think that if you are in a marginalized community once and you've like examined it and are kind of thoughtful about how it relates to other marginalized communities, you can take lessons you've learned from like why a teach for tea relationship is really great for you and like if you're going out with somebody who is maybe in a wheelchair or has a disability of some sort you can kind of apply some of the same reasonings like you wouldn't ask somebody who's in a wheelchair how they have sex until you're planning on having sex with them very soon right like just like you wouldn't ask a trans person who's what's in their pants because that's rude. <laughs> right. want to reiterate here for right. any cis people listening. You don't just message a trans person on Tinder and be like, so what is Again, your follow my, my strategy of being like, hi, I want to sleep with you potentially after our date. Or I'd like that to be an open option. So like, can we just get a couple ground rules out? What makes you comfortable? What makes you uncomfortable? And the way they answer will likely involve their genitals. <laughs> yeah. Um, and like, I wouldn't know the exact language of how to do that around somebody who has like mobility issues or has um, another disability, but I would at least have like a framework, right? Right, right. The, there is something, you get it. Right. You get you get at least some part of it from yeah. other. And so I just like, I do want to call that in because I bet, I, I'm guessing that there are analogous conversations with other oppressed groups. Yeah. And I want to, I, I, I stumbled over saying that because I think queer people, especially white queer, well, I think white queer people have an issue with being like, oh, yeah, being queer has all the same issues as being black, but just like analogous. And that's not what I'm saying. <laughs> it, it is different. <laughs> and you can take some of the lessons from You can take some of the lessons and you oppressors. can directly, and you can sympathize right. in a lot of ways. And I think, I think that especially with this disability, because it has to do with like the body not functioning in the way that cis able people, people think their bodies are going to yeah. function. Yeah. Or, I mean, trans able bodied people. Well, that's so like, yeah, because trans bodies don't function the same way that cis bodies expect them to. And disabled bodies don't always function the same way that able bodies expect them to. So like, it's extra analogous. (laughs) Right, right. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So anything else you want to say about T for T? No, I think in summary, basically T for T is like a really great something to consider. I think it's a really great avenue. Also, don't put it on a pedestal. Other non T for T relationships are incredible and beautiful and cis partners that are out there doing the work if you if you follow me on reddit you know i'm obsessed with the subreddit r slash my partner is trans because it's a beautiful community supporting partners of trans people cis generally cis partners with trans people and like 
that's a beautiful, beautiful group of people doing their damnedest. Right, absolutely. And so, like, T for T isn't always better. It's just a little bit, just yeah. a little bit faster. Yeah, it just it gives you kind of a leg up. It's I've seen I've seen kind of as like a last little quick summary of how I've seen this play out for other trans people. I've seen a lot of trans people say I'm not T for T, but I tend to end up with trans people because it's easier. Yeah. And like that's kind of just the takeaway. On that's it. kind. Of, yeah, I think that's a really good. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. All right. I think that's where we're going to wrap it up this week on Gender Journeys, the podcast where we talk about just what the heck gender actually is in context. As always, I am one of your hosts, Josie, and I'm joined by your other host, my lovely partner, Elle. Bye, y'all. And until next time, just keep thinking about it. Music for Gender Journeys composed by Sonia Berdash. If you want to stay up to date with Gender Journeys episodes or just want to say hi, you can follow us on Twitter at gender underscore journeys or on Tumblr at genderjourneys.tumblr.com. You can also find us online at josiewrites.com slash gender journeys. We hope to hear from you soon.